Hey, welcome back to the podcast. In this week's staff meeting Devo, Annie Bullard gave an incredible word about being careful what we count as leaders. If you're new to this segment of the podcast, each week our staff team meets to talk about one aspect of the mission, vision, and culture of our church. And this series is all about sharing those messages with you. Let's dive in. You can be boisterous if you want. Boisterous is good. Um, I'm just feeling a heaviness to just kind of not break the, um, so maybe not boisterous. No, you'll go ahead and be boisterous. But that was such an incredible time of worship and prayer. I really wish that could have been recorded. Um, so any leader tapping in um, could have heard that because honestly, um, the Devo that God put on my heart feels like it's coming even more alive after uh, the suggestion, Pastor Tom, for uh, Luke to lead us in coming back to the heart of worship. And then Pastor Megan um, just praying that We'd keep the main thing, the main thing. So that is the new title of today's Devo is keeping the main thing, the main thing. And um, I actually just want to encourage anybody listening in today um, that maybe after this time uh, together that you could throw on a heart of worship because it really is about him. And we're so human that it's so easy to get that twisted, you know. So um, I'm going to start off with a little confession today. And so I know if anybody's zoning out, like now's the time to tune in, right? <laughs> Annie's about to confess something. Now it's time to get boisterous. Um, honestly, to, to, just to be honest with everybody, I have a temptation and it's to look for fruit in my ministry. And, um, and I, know that it's, I know that it's based in my need for approval and my need to su- succeed and my need to accomplish, which really isn't a terrible thing because after all that Christ has done for me, I want my service to him to be as excellent um, as it could possibly be. Uh, and, and I mean all that he has done for me. And I think each and every one of us can just take a minute, close our eyes and be like, yeah, Lord, I am so grateful. Like use my life, Lord. And that is my, the cry of my heart, but I am human and I am broken. And I know that for me, sometimes, um, you know, God uses areas in my leadership to show me my brokenness, to expose some areas where my heart is off. And um, for instance, for me, and I know it can be different for, for everybody. So take what, what God, Holy Spirit might be speaking to you this morning and, and, and listen to his still small voice. Um, yours probably looks different than mine. Um, but for me, years ago in ministry, the Lord started to show me that I had an issue. Um, and the issue was um, a heart problem. And the heart problem got, was uh, exposed when I realized that I was counting numbers. And so the event was a success if the numbers were high and I was stoked because the numbers were high and it was a little bit of a failure of night and I was trying to blame it on uh, maybe the snow or maybe this or maybe that um, if the numbers were low and I felt like it was a little bit of a failure of a night and the Lord got a hold of me and was like, honey, you are, you're looking at the wrong things. Now there are times I think that it's numbers are indicative of maybe making a change. in, In fact, right now in my ministry, We've been doing a lot of Zoom Bible studies, and we've been noticing the numbers trailing off. So we're going back to in-person Bible studies, and the numbers are, are, are there. And so, you know, sometimes numbers indicate a time to change. But sometimes you just need to stay, keep the main thing the main thing and keep the focus where it needs to be. I know others can even feed into my frenzy. Uh, my ministry now, 99.1, I've had many people from supporters to local pastors say, well, where's the fruit? And I mean, that is jumping on the chasm of my brokenness. Like, where's the fruit? I'm like trying to dig up anything I can just to prove that it's a success. And um, so I I have multiple opportunities to press into that. But God in his kindness to me 
named the ministry 991 so I could constantly be remembering in my face that it's about the one. And not only about the one that we have opportunity to minister to, but about the one, the one and only, Jesus. So I'm going to read to you today about a great leader and my personal character, my personal favorite character in the Old Testament, King David. And uh, I'm encouraged that this man is, uh, is named a man after God's own heart because um, he wrestled with something that very similar to what I wrestle with. So I, I'm thankful that you know, the word is, is filled with incredible men and women that we can relate to because they have broken us just like we do. God is so good. So I'm going to read to you out of 2 Samuel uh, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to be reading out of the message version. Sometimes the message version causes me to wake up a little bit. I love the verbiage. So I'm going to read to you today out of the message version. Once again, God's anger blazed out against Israel. He tested David by telling him, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So David gave orders to Joab and the army of officers under him, canvas all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and get a count of the population. I want to know the number. But Joab resisted the king. May our God multiply people by the hundreds right before the eyes of my master, the king. But why on earth would you do such a thing? Nevertheless, the king insisted. And so Joab and the army officers left the king to take a census of Israel. Now, the word tells us um, the extent of the, of the census and that it takes like nine months and 20 days, like a super long time. Um, and then the numbers come back to King David. And then the word goes on to say, but when it was all done, David was overwhelmed with guilt because he had counted the people, replacing trust with statistics. And David prayed to God, I have sinned badly in what I have just done. But now, God, forgive my guilt. I've been really stupid. Let's take a minute to pray. Father, we pray right now. We, we, we just lift ourselves to you. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you move in the ministries that you've given us uh, leadership and ownership of. But we want to see you move, God. We want to keep our eyes on you. We want to stay with the direction you've given us. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing. Another word that came out this morning was genuine. God, we want our service to you to be genuine. God, keep our eyes from counting, our hearts from striving. Help us from, uh, keep us uh, from getting weird, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes on you, to keep the main thing, the main thing, the focus where it belongs. And then there'll be pure ministry coming out of our individual ministries. God, we lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know that the New Testament is loaded with references to fruit. It speaks of the importance of fruit, um, judging and knowing by fruit. But I chose this, I chose, I chose this Old Testament scripture um, because it focuses on our hearts and how they can get twisted. And so if we read on, we do see that David does repent, which I also love about David, like a great, uh, he's, a, he's a great example of, okay, when you screw up because you will, because you're human, repent. Um, that's why he had a, a heart after, uh, after God. Um, so uh, here's the thing, taking a census didn't, wasn't actually the thing that was, that had gone wrong in itself. I mean, there were several times that we see a director from the Lord where he asks for a census. However, it's mentioned um, that God tested David in this census. This act of this census pointed to a lack of trust in David's heart. And perhaps it was even a desire to gain control of God's providence by making an inventory of his apparent resources. 
I know I can fall guilty to that. And the report does emphasize military strength. So maybe it's suggesting that David wanted to take more territory than what God had granted him. And that can be a temptation as well in ministry. So whatever the purpose behind David's number counting for almost 10 months, he was convicted of the wrong motive of his heart. And I find it interesting that scripture tells us that God tested David in this. And here's the thing. God knows our hearts. He knows our hearts when we're clueless, when we're like going full steam ahead and when we've got our plans and our purposes and we're actually even consulting with the Lord, but he knows our hearts. We have blind spots. And I'm really thankful, even though sometimes it's painful, that God chastises those that he loves. Jeremiah 17, 9 states, the Lord is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? So Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see you to see you in our ministries, to see you in our leadership. I want to share a little and incredible story about my friend Helen. Um, it was about 20 years ago that we were raising our babies together. So I was alongside her journey um, in the this, in this story I'm about to tell you. She, uh, we were both a part of MOPS, and uh, she had a real passion to see teen mommies reached in central New York. There weren't any teen MOPS groups. And so as she was praying, she thought, well, it just makes sense that I would start in the church where my child is going to nursery school. And so she went to the pastors and, and they helped put her pull together a team. And so they gathered some resources, they set the stage and they prayed. And week after week after week went by. And then one, one, one teenage mommy showed up and then week after week after week went by with nothing. And then two mommies came. And after a while, they had a great team there with, with a, a number of women and so Helen thought, okay, you know what? Lord, this is a great team. They've got great leadership. I'm gonna go somewhere else and start another teen mops group. And she began to drive to local churches and she would sit in the parking lot and she'd be crying out for God to move and raise up new leaders. One of them was Word of Life. Little did she know that a woman named Jen Schulz would be running the group that she would be, dis she would be starting in a couple years. So she started another group and it just so happened to be at a church that I went to and they would show up week after week after week, setting the stage, leaving their families, creating a space for teen mommies to encounter God. And week after week, girls didn't show. And then one girl showed up. And then another leader showed up. It was me. <laughs> and then my teenage daughter came to that teen mops group. And then that group grew. And we began to cry out, God, who else? Who else can we reach? And God spoke to Helen and said, go into the city. There's this place called the Salvation Army where the girls are there. And so she knocked on the door and they let her in. And I say all this because by the time Helen left, she oversaw 10 teen mops groups in central New York. She was crying out for 100. She saw 10. And the last time I had opportunity to speak at a teen mops group, one of the leaders was one of the teen mommies that had started at the initial teen mops group that Helen had started where she had prayed and prayed and set the table and no one showed. And then this beauty showed up. And now her son was in his twenties and she was serving as a teen mops coordinator. So I learned a lot from Helen. She listened to God and she prayed for opportunity. And although there were moments of frustration and wonder, sure, like setting the stage, leaving your family um, for the Lord and then not seeing anything show up, there were, time, there were moments of wonder. But I'm thankful um, that Helen continued to focus on the Lord and not the so-called fruit. 
So her response to the Lord's call on her life reminds me of our sweet brother, Pastor Jeremiah. There was a season years ago, and I have no idea what was going on in his life, but those of us that knew Pastor Jeremiah know that he is an outward processor. So, you know, he'd be processing his messages out loud. You know, sometimes he'd be asking us questions. I'm like, I know you're trying to get an answer out of me. I don't know what it is. Um, and then, and then there'd be times he'd just be speaking to himself. And I remember one time hearing him quietly walk through the office saying, I'm just going to do the next right thing. I'm just going to do the next right thing. And so I want the encouragement to each and every one of us today to just do the next right thing, genuinely, authentically before the Lord. He's called us to positions. He's called us to missions. But can we do the next right thing without looking at glaring, obvious fruit around us, but just do the next right thing because we have no idea what the fruit of our actions is supposed to look like or if we will ever even see it. So as leaders, let's allow our prayer to be the prayer of David in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so as we wrap up today, I want us to think about three things. Just think about our ministry, what we're called to who it is that God's put in our lives. And sometimes ministry looks like, you know, when you go to the diner this afternoon and, and God shows you somebody. But we also have pieces of the ministry pie that God has given us. So let's think about that pie and ask ourselves, am I sticking to the vision and the mission? And the vi am I sticking to the vision and the mission of this ministry, Lord? Am I doing the next right thing that you have given with me, given to me in alignment with that mission? Is my thinking and my planning offensive as I'm bothered by fruit or lack thereof that you never intended me to count? God, we thank you. Help us to stay focused. Let us keep the main thing the main thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.